Well, it's great to be here with you this morning, great to be worshiping on this Labor Day weekend, and man, it's been amazing to just see God start to unfold some truth as we're diving into these passages in 2 Corinthians chapters 4 through 7, and uh, we're walking through a series here called Fearless, like what does it mean to face the everyday life with this game face on for following my God with all I've got? What does it mean to grasp the struggles and the hurts as well as the celebrations and be able to worship my God fearlessly? All right, that's what we're going after. And to be able to get there, God's got some truths for us. He's walking us through some things we have to have in mindset, in approach, and in the way we do ministry, the way we do life. And, and so each week that we're walking through this, and we've got a privilege of God revealing to us of what it looks like to go after things in a fearless fashion. How do we set fear down? How do we pick up following him no matter what? Okay. And uh, So today we're diving into a, a section where walk by faith is a phrase that's used a lot. Uh, in our church world, we kind of think about it a lot and, and we see that, that uh, phrase here in this passage and we're going to dive in and see what's wrapped around that and the truth that we need to be claiming and going after. So dive in with, you, uh, with me, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. And uh, the first point, if we're going to be able to go after this, truly walking by faith, uh, we need to long to put on your eternal dwelling. Long to put on your eternal dwelling. Okay. That's the first step. We need to grasp that there is an eternity in hand. We need to understand that God's got something that he's taking care of that is going to last forever. Forever. And God, we long to see you do a work in that way, right? Let's make sure we grasp that. So here we go. Starting in verse 1, it says, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. It starts out four. And uh, do me a favor, read your scriptures super carefully, all right? When you're reading through the Bible, be cautious when you read. Don't get too flippant and quick. When you see words like for, F-O-R, right? That literally means because. He's giving you a, a cause effect statement. He's saying that some, that some of the things we were just saying are so true that here's now the effect of that, all right? So as you read through scripture, always look for those little tag words like the word for, where he's beginning to say cause and effect. This comes off of the end of chapter four, and he's like, hey, just so you know, we need to be going after the things that are unseen, not the things that are seen. We need to be going after the things that are eternal, not the things that are transient. And we need to be about the eternal, the forever, the unseen, the spiritual, why? Why would we be about that? Chapter 5, verse 1. For, are you feeling it? That's the dive in here. We've got to make sure we've got the context. So here's some reasoning why. Because we know that if the tent that is our earthly home, the tent that is our earthly home, everybody just say, that's my body. Right? So he's talking about our physical bodies and our soul taking up residence within this physical body here on earth right? And he calls it a tent. And uh, we all know that tents are meant to be short-lived, right? We get that. 
Like the tent is meant to be, when we go on camping trips, we're not like, man, this is going to be a great 14 years, right? Like that's going to be a horrible 14 years if that's how it goes down, right? And our, when we talk about a tent, we mean short, and uh, we mean that it's got some level of temporal to it. And uh, that's what he's talking about. He's like, these physical bodies, short in term, says that is our earthly home. We know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, that means when we die, okay, and then our physical body begins to just um, kind of fade away, it says we have a building from God. Now, this word building here actually has the word home built into it, and and so in the original language, it means we have this long-standing, if you want to say facility, this abode, this this building that allows us to live for eternity with our God in heaven, and God's the one making it. We have a building from God. Our soul resides right now in this temporal tent, this physical, short-lived body. But man, God is preparing and planning for all those who are trusting in Jesus Christ as Savior. It says there is a building, a permanent structure for your soul to be residing in a a body that is glorified, a body that can last forever, not that is in the constant fade away, but that is in perfection for eternity. You're moving soul from this physical dwelling collapsing to that dwelling that will never collapse, and uh, a glorified body, praise be to God. It says, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands. In other words, God alone is the author and perfecter of this place. And uh, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. If you were questioning how long that body would last, there you go, right? Eternal in the heavens. And so our soul transitions from this place up into the heavens. And then we're told from scripture that there's kind of a hanging out for those who have died right now in this world. They end up going to heaven, their soul with God. There is that moment in time there where soul with him, but eventually the bodies end up being brought together, glorified up and your soul married together. And for all of eternity, you have that privilege before your God. A physical-ish body, we don't understand all the details, I'm just going to leave it at, there's little bits we know and a lot we don't know. Jesus' glorified body gives us a little bit of a taste of it, where they're able to recognize, they're able to see some things, they're able to see him do things, but then it's also got extraordinary characteristics. And uh, this glorified body, God made, not meant to be temporary, but eternal in the heavens. He's like, man, get this clear. You are built for eternity. Why should I be thinking about the things that are unseen and the things that are eternal? Because you are built for eternity. I'm just telling you, God has it in store that when you have lived for 150 million years, you're like, we haven't even but begun. And when it goes even that much more and that much more, nothing cuts short the end. Eternal with your God, without this physical body, with a glorified body. He's like, man, keep your eyes on the unseen, the eternal, because that is where you're headed. He said, for in this tent, we groan. And all of God's people said, right? 
And you feel it, man. And uh, maybe you're a little bit older, and like every time you get up out of the couch, you groan, right? And you're like, oh, as you're getting up, and you give this little statement of like, I've lived a little bit of life, and I'm a seasoned veteran, right? That's what that means, just so you know. So if you're a little younger, and you're not groaning yet, trust me, there's a moment where you'll get to claim that as well, right? And uh, man, I'm just telling you, our bodies feel it. We walk through it. There's times where we're like, that's it. I got to get this thing back in shape, right? And some of you are like, yeah, I didn't have that moment this year. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. And, but but we, we really were groaning in these bodies in so many ways. We feel physical struggles. We feel various emotional and spiritual struggles. This world presses in, and then he even goes further than that. In the groaning here, he talks about a level of eternal groaning. He's like, for in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. Longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. He's like, hear me, man. Understand this. When you are saved, when you have trusted Christ as Savior, there is this change in your soul. There is life that is had. And in the middle of having that, you now have this awareness to eternity. And in sensing the broken down nature of this world and this body, you begin to have this longing for something more right than this, more permanent than this, more hopeful than this. And that's not wrong. That's super normal. That is very, very God-honoring. And man, may we grasp that our bodies long for the heavenly dwelling. And, uh, you know, we go through those daily struggles and sometimes the physical hurts that are just so crushing. Maybe it's our own physical pain. Maybe it's someone else's and we're hurting with them and praying for them. And we are so made aware of the temporary nature of this world. And all of God's people said, and he's like, hear me, man, look to the eternal. Praise be to God. He's got it in hand. Man, hear me. We are not struggling in this world for no reason and no cause. God knows exactly what he's doing. If you move back into chapter 4, just a few verses back, it says he is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory that is beyond comparison. I'm telling you this, God knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly where he's walking us. He is building a building that will house your soul, a new body that will be glorified, perfect, and eternal. Praise be to God. And all of God's people said, man, we are on a camping trip. That's what he's saying. Short-lived. These are tents, and we've set up shop for a season. Enjoy the ride, but it's a camping trip compared to the eternity we're going to have with him. He says, for in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. Let's just connect this to the next sentence. If indeed by putting this on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in the tent, we groan, being burdened. We groan being burdened. And he's like, hey, just so we're clear, the goal isn't just to get rid of this body so we're like, our soul is naked, there's no coverage, there's no house for, that's not the goal. Man, the reality is we are being burdened, we are groaning. It says, not that we would be unclothed, 
but that we would be further clothed. And uh, actually in the original language it says not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be overclothed. That's what it actually says. So here's what he means. He's like, hey man, our, our goal, our soul is not crying out. I don't want anybody. That's not that. That's not the healthy cry out. It's not, I want to get rid of this and just be a soul transformed around into the world and the ether. And it's not that. It's, I long to be able to be overclothed, having this eternal, glorious body that I can put on that is like putting on a coat over the top of your clothes and being able to wear that. We don't long to be unclothed. We long to be overclothed. He's like, man, we're kind of walking around in a little bit of a cold environment, and we cannot wait to put on the coat for eternity that's going to bring such satisfaction. That is our goal. And to long for the unseen and the eternal to be overclothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. And uh, we all know this, right? Our bodies are, from the moment we're born, running through a process of change, uh, a lot of change. And we head towards getting older. In fact, he says at the end of chapter 4 there that our outer body is wasting away while our inner is actually being renewed day by day. Praise be to God. And so God's doing a miracle work in your soul inside as he's changing and renewing day by day. This body is running its mortal course. And he's like, just so we're super clear, the mortal is swallowed up by life. And in fact, in the original language, it says by the life. And it's speaking very clearly here to eternal life. This is the word zoe in Greek. Remember, there's two different words for life. We've talked about that in the past. One of those words is the word bios, right? Can you hear it? Like biology, right? And it speaks to the physical life, this physical body and breath and blood and, and our bodies staying alive. That's bios. That's that kind of life. This is not that. This is saying zoe, the life. That is eternal life, life that comes forever. Jesus Christ, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the, and that's what he's talking about here. The zoe, the eternal life that comes in Jesus Christ, him being the ultimate model of it. And uh, he's like, let's just be super clear. The mortal is swallowed up by the life. Praise be to God. And eternity, man, you are designed for eternity. We have to keep getting that in mind. It's so easy for us to look at our physical bodies and feel our physical bodies, right? Every moment that you wake up, I woke up this morning, my back, I don't know what was going on. I, I don't remember hurting it at all. Like in the last three days, I have no knowledge of anything that ever went on. And I'm like, I can barely move my lower back. And I'm saying to Jana, what am I going to do? I end up finding um, God's gift to us called Advil and... Uh, <laughs> And I'm taking some Advil, and I'm good now. And man, our body just feels these things day in and day out. We walk through a process where we literally experience the temporal, the mortal, and we're locked in on it. We start thinking about it all the time, and he's like, please hear me. Get your eyes up to the unseen. It's where you're going to spend the massive portion of your life. God has a plan and you are eternal. Hang on. He's going to be doing some amazing things in and through you. 
It says, he who has prepared us for this very thing, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God. And um, man, it's really important that we grasp and understand that God has a plan. Everybody just say, God has a plan. He does, man. He knows exactly what he's doing with your life. And you might be here this morning and you're wrestling and you're struggling with some things. You have gone through some deep, deep heartache. Hear me. God has a plan. And I don't say that with any force at all and with a ton of tenderness. Man, this world can hurt And sometimes through the tears that are shimmering in your eye as you are processing what is going on, know this, your God is right there with you. He is working in your lives. He loves you with all he's got. And he is accomplishing something for all eternity. And uh, man, it is so hard for us to grasp that. When our eyes are so aware of this physical world, May we see God at work in every little detail of our life. God is preparing. Everybody just say, God is preparing. God is preparing. He is. He knows exactly what he's doing. He says he has prepared us for this very thing God has, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. And, um, you know, really important that we grasp and understand that our body in the midst of this struggle goes through a world of heart. Have you ever been in a tent in the middle of a storm? Have you ever been in a tent and all of a sudden there's a creek running down right underneath the middle of your tent? Have you ever been in one of those? And all of a sudden you need to scoot to the side or rain starts to come through the top of the tent and things you thought were much more sound aren't really that sound. And uh, that's what he's talking about. He's like, I'm just telling you, we are walking through an experience where our tent is in a storm. We're going to feel it. We're going to groan in moments. But we're going to long for eternity. Maybe not unlike when you've been out all day, you're starving, hungry, you get home and somebody's been cooking, and you can smell your favorite dish. Maybe it's your favorite dessert wafting into the door. And as you open the door and step in, that food hits you, and you can smell it, and it's like you're ready to eat it right now. What happens? Your mouth starts to water. You're salivating. You're like, I can't wait, man. When's dinner? Right? He's like, that's what we're talking about. I'm talking about every moment that you get to taste a little bit of eternity. It's like you're tasting the meal that you're going to be able to eat up for the rest of your life. And you're like, when does dinner start? Let's get it on. That's what he's talking about. May God get all the glory. And he's like, who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. He's given us the spirit as a guarantee. And uh, this is the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, this is the Holy Spirit. And he's given him to you. If you have trusted Christ as Savior, if you're like, I admit I am not perfect. I admit that. I admit that I'm far from it. I believe 
that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He is God Almighty and He is risen, I believe. And I'm ready for Him to take over in my life. I confess Him as Lord. Please hear me, that's Romans 10, 9 and 10. If that's where you're at, I admit, I believe He is risen, and I confess Him as Lord. Man, that is saved. That's super scriptural, super clear. Don't make it overly complex. Salvation is this. Is he in charge of your life and do you get that he rose from the dead? Man, if that's where you are, that is saved. And every person who is saved, it says really clearly that the Holy Spirit has been given as a guarantee. As a guarantee. And uh, I just wrote these words down. Given to you, meaning he has taken up residence within you. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, super clear. It says your body, this tent, is actually a temple for the Holy Spirit to take up residence in. He aligns and partners with your spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 on that. And, and so you have the Holy Spirit in you if you have trusted Christ as Savior. Him working with you and him guaranteeing you. And uh, what's he guaranteeing? Ephesians 1.14 says that he's guaranteeing us an inheritance. He's guaranteeing that eternity that we're talking about. He's guaranteeing this glorified body and he's guaranteeing the forever of it. And God is like, let me make this clear. You are in a spot of saved, then God the Holy Spirit takes up residence. And he starts renewing from the inside. And while the outside is wasting away, he's like, I'm doing something here. And your inside is going somewhere. He is transforming you one degree of glory at a time. And all of it as a guarantee of your future eternal inheritance. He is walking you step by step here on what he will give as an utter promise there for all of eternity. Praise be to God. Man, we have the Holy Spirit in us. Him doing a work. He is the guarantee. I just wrote these words down about the Holy Spirit. Uh, good definition for him. There is a present work and a future promise. And if you want to get grasp the role of the Holy Spirit, present work, future promise. He comforts and he guides and he convicts and he leads and he transforms and, and he is groaning on your behalf, the Holy Spirit. He has a present work. He is here with you, God with you. Get that, man. You are not alone, God with you right? And then also a future promise. He is the guarantee of the eternity that is coming, the Holy Spirit. It's a huge deal. And, uh, you know, uh, our family didn't do a lot of camping growing up. And uh, so really the only camping we did was Indian princesses with uh, my daughter, uh, both of my daughters, where that's hooked up with the YMCA. So we had bought a tent. We had different things, you know, the sleeping bags and all that. But as a family, we were like, why not go to a hotel? <laughs> that was really where we went most of the time. So the reality is we ended up going camping uh, with the girls. It was me. It was always daddy, daughter, just, you know, Indian princess was take your dads, take your daughters out. And so I remember the, really the first or second time I was out with Megan and uh, she was little, probably five years old. And uh, we went out camping with this group of dads and daughters. And uh, so all of us are um, out by the fire feeding our kids things we would never admit to our wives the next day, right? 
and all the candy rolling and all that stuff. And, uh, but we had the tents we had to put up. And I remember setting up the tent with Megan. And uh, we always camped a little bit earlier in the spring and a little bit later in the fall. So it was always kind of cool out. And uh, it was brisk that day, man. And we were out there, it was probably 40, 45 degrees, something like that. Sun was beaming down, but it was cooler. And uh, so we set the tent up. It was one of those giant square tents. So we put the square tent up, and then you had those sticks, right? The magic sticks. You remember the old way of doing it. With th- those were horrible tents. These new sticks are really kind of cool, and they all bend. Real. So we set the sticks up, and I'd put it in, and I'd put it around and clip it, and then I'd have her kind of, honey, why don't you just stand on this part of the tent? Just stand right there and hold it down, right? And then I'd put it over here and I'd clip it on. And then I'd do the next and, and we got it. I'm like, okay, we've got it set up. I turned around to grab the mallet and the spikes. And I said, okay, just a second. I'm going to spike it down now, right? And I pick up a mallet and a spike and this giant, huge wind blew. And the, the tent lifted up. Megan got kind of flipped off the tent. She fell backwards. The tent started rolling like tumbleweed. Rolling through the open field, and I'm running after this tent, and like a 40 mile an hour wind blowing for a second. I finally grab it, and I'm holding on like it's a parachute. The wind stops. I pull it down, and Megan's like, "Do you need help?" <laughs> right? And I'm like, "Yeah, but I don't think you're gonna bring it, baby." Right? And another guy came over, and he helped me. We dragged it back over to our spot, and I grabbed a spike real quick and hammered it down, and went to the other side and hammered it down. So at least now we got two pieces down. The wind blows up again. The tent is just rattling like crazy. I hammer the next two pieces in. We got that tent in, right? And then we ended up putting a little um, air mattress in there and a couple of sleeping bags. And that night we're sleeping in there and the temps got down to like 30 some degrees. And uh, these sleeping bags were good for that temperature, but that's cold nonetheless, you know? And, uh, and so she's really close to me, and it's like pitch black out there, and I'm close to her. We kind of scooted up and had the bag zipped all the way up, and the wind is blowing, and the tent is shaking. And every time you'd whisper, if you turned on the flashlight, you could see little breath come up. And, and, uh, and we were in a tent. And man, there was a cool experience to enjoying the night together, and we longed to get home. That's the reality, man. It was a great time. And if that was 14 years of it, it was a nightmare. But in one night, it was fine. The shorter element of it, and we enjoyed some of the experience, and there's things we laughed about, and there's things we did, and there's stuff we tolerated, but we knew that it was going to be better in just a little bit. And he's like, man, hang on. You're on a camping trip. And I'm telling you, this tent is short Compared to eternity, short. And it is amazing what God is going to be doing. And the things he has prepared. And hear me now, your soul has actually tasted of eternity as God is beginning to do a work in you. And so you now are starting to get what it looks like and you're beginning to long for it. That's what he's talking about. So here's a simple question I got for you. Man, in this crazy, unstable world, are your eyes more on the temporary or the permanent? Are you more about the right here, right now, what it feels like in the moment? Or are you more about the eternal and what God is doing for the forever 
of your life and for his glory. Man, do you grasp the temporary nature of your body? And do you grasp the permanent nature of your soul? We can really get what he's talking about here once we shift over into looking to the unseen and longing for that next world, all right? That's the first piece. Second, walk by faith, not by sight, aiming to please your God. Walk by faith, not by sight, aiming to please your God. It says, so we are always of good courage. Notice it just said that little word, so. Remember what I said, when you're reading scripture, connect it together carefully. He's like, so, because of what I've just said, right? Because we have this eternal hope, because the Holy Spirit is in us, because he is a guarantee of an inheritance to come, and so he's got a present work and a future promise. So, because of that, we can be of good courage. We can set down our fear and we can face today and know that God has a plan in what he's doing. It says, we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. And the reality is we have the presence of God, the Holy Spirit with us, but the fullness of the greatness of God on display in our lives is on hold until eternity. We see through a glass dimly right? And so in the midst of it, man, we do have presence with God here with us, but it's going to be so much better. And Paul's like, just so we're super clear, to be at home in this physical body, we have an awayness from the Lord that we're experiencing. There's a, there's a distancing from the manifest presence of his glory. And, uh, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We need to walk by faith, not by sight. And he's like, just so we're super clear here, what we're at now is not the full realization of who God is. It's partial. And the Holy Spirit at work in your soul is a part of that. And his very, very, very present power in your life, part of that, God with you. But there is still more to come. There's so much more that we're going to taste of God in his presence and the manifest presence of the expression of God, it's going to be massive. And he's like, just so we're super clear, man, God reveals his glory out to us and it rocks our world. And you're going to be able to taste of it. And between now and then, we're walking in a bit of faith. We're like, I have a hope that it's coming. I believe God is doing this. Faith. How do I walk by faith and not by sight? And it gets pretty easy to just walk by sight, doesn't it? Every day you wake up and you start measuring it based on time of day, and the weather, and your clothes. Are they in style or out of style? What does my hair look like today? And right, Every little piece of what we walk through in this physical world starts to get to be a distraction. And he's like, just so we're clear, those are the things you can see. Now it's time to put our eyes on the unseen, and we do that through faith, okay? So how do I do it? Here's uh, three steps to walking by faith. Three steps to walking by faith. Man, there's a lot of things we could say about this. There's just a couple words I want to say about it. Number one here, um, to be able to walk by faith, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, filled. 
filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and we've talked about that before. How do I get filled? It's when you are praising God and thanking him for who he is. You are awesome, God. I see you at work in this world. I see you doing this. I see you in your word as you are this character. You are praising and thanking him. And then you are also confessing out, Lord, please forgive me for this sin. Forgive me for my attitude. Forgive me for the actions I just went through. Please forgive me. Man, as you thank and praise your God and confess before him, it talks about you being filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5. Literally him having control over your life, having a say into your life. And he's like, man, make sure you are filled with the Spirit. That word filled, it is in the command form. Be filled. Get it done. Right? It's in the passive form. Let it happen to you. Be filled. It doesn't say fill yourself. Be filled. And how do I do that? As you thank and praise your God and as you confess sin out, he fills. It's you putting yourself under his authority. You're awesome, God, and I'm dependent on you. Remember what we said last week? True thankfulness, it really, it's showing off your dependence. And so truly dependent on your God and truly confessing out any sin, having that go. And he fills you in that moment, okay? Filled. And then following, that's the next one. Following. Once you are filled with the Holy Spirit, sins cleared out of the way, you're praising and thanking God for who he is. You're like, God, where do you want to go? You're obedient to who he is. You're following after him. You guys may not know this, but uh, shepherds uh, get out in front of the sheep to lead. They don't drive from behind. Like the old Western way of getting behind the cattle and taking a whip and trying to drive the cattle, right? That is not shepherding, right? So as you drive them, you are actually pushing them and you're using fear to move them. But a shepherd gets out in front. He calls out to them. He may even sing a song out to them or make noises or whatever. They recognize their shepherd's voice and they follow. In fact, if you had two shepherds walking along and they split and they kept talking out loud, singing, the sheep would literally split and follow the one they recognized the voice of. And so it says, follow your God. Man, let him get out in front of you. And please hear me on this. If you're one of those who uh, enjoys getting out ahead of your God and saying, here's the thing I'm all about, now come bless it. Right? Everybody say, that's a bad plan. Dude, that's a terrible plan. That's not following at all. And make sure you allow your God to show you where he's at work and what he wants to accomplish, Okay. Let him get out ahead of you. He's leading with his voice crying out, and you're following him. Let him lead in full obedience. And so you're filled, and you're following, and then faithful is the last one I put. If you're going to walk in faith, you need to be faithful. Really, this means no matter what I face, I'm staying true to my God, right? I'm in. I'm not going to veer off, and I'm not going to stop short, and I'm not going to question, I'm in. Like, Lord, may you do a work in my life. I'm ready for you to rock me. I am thanking you. I am praising you, and I am confessing any sin out. Filled. Lord, what do you want done today? Where do you want it done? Show me your work. Show me what it looks like. Sometimes that'll be a super obvious open door. Sometimes it'll take a little bit more of reading, praying, figuring it out, talking to some friends, but I'm telling you, Follow your God. He's at work in this world. I guarantee you this. If you're looking to the unseen 
And if you're longing for God to work in your life, you will see him move. Follow with him, okay? And then faithful no matter what comes. God, it is not about my comfort. It is about you as king. If you want to walk by faith, it's filled, following, and faithful, okay? A huge deal. He says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And uh, yes, we are of good courage. So he echoes it again. He's like, let's just say it one more time. We've got God with us, the Holy Spirit. We've got hope in this world. It says, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Let that settle. And we would rather be done camping, right? And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. And uh, I'll be honest on this one. So as you walk this through, as someone has come to trust Christ, usually if they're younger in the faith, like literally meaning if you're in your teens, 20s, maybe early 30s, you're like, oh, I, I would love to be in heaven, but it sure would be nice to, and then you fill in the blank. I'd love to finish college first. I'd love to get married. I'd love to have kids. I'd love to have a full-time job. I'd love to own. I'd love to, and there's little dreams, right? And those physical world things are kind of sitting in front of. And then you talk to somebody who's a little bit more seasoned in it, and they're like, I would love to be home, right? And there's something that goes on as we walk this journey. And I'm just saying, along your path, get this, man, you are made for eternity, And so it's not wrong to enjoy this world. We're going to talk about that in the next verse. It says it right after what we're at. But it is absolutely appropriate that your eternal soul is crying out for eternity to come. Okay? And long for it with all you've got. And uh, it says, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. So for those of you who heard the phrase, we long to be out of the body, and you're like... I'm a little uncomfortable that I'm just going to go, I'm going to say some rough words now, okay? So everybody hearing me, looking up if you need to, okay? And so those are not phrases that say, I should take my own life. That is not a phrase that says suicide is appropriate. This is a phrase that grasps how good it's going to be, okay? But willing to be wherever God places me here and now. And all of God's people said, and super important that we grasp that. And we long to be at home with him, but while we're in the body, we will praise the Lord here and we will please him. We make it our aim to please the Lord, whether away or with, may God get all the glory and uh, may it be all about him. Everybody hearing that? May it be all about him. Super important, man, if we're going to live fearlessly that we grasp this. I am here in this world because my God has called me. And whatever he chooses for me to do, and if it's to stay here and be a part of something for his life and his ministry and his glory, I'm in. And if he calls me home, I'm in. May my God get all the glory. I'm in. Praise be to God, man. May it be all about him. And man, as we start to get this, as we start to put everything in right perspective, God is doing something. He has a plan. He is preparing. Right here and right now, man, this world has a ton of hurt, but God has it in hand. And we will walk with him, and we will celebrate him, and we will aim to please. And all of God's people said, may God get all the glory. Amen.
Man, it isn't about living a terrible life here. It isn't like you're on the camping trip and the tent just blew away and you got it back and staked it down and you're like, we should just go home. This is horrible. Oh, man, you talk it over, you laugh it out, you high-five that you caught it while it was rolling across, you tack it down, you enjoy the moment, and you can't wait for what comes that's going to be so much better. It's both and, not either or. May God get all the glory, okay? And uh, he says, for, remember we talked about that word, because why would we aim to please him? Because we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Because we're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now this wording here, this is the Bema seat. This is where the believers come before Jesus Christ. And their good works and their bad works are laid out. Please hear me, salvation is not in view here. Everybody say it's not about salvation. It's for the saved and it's about rewarding and response from God based on good works and lack thereof, okay? And so we all will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Somewhere towards the end, and it's not exactly clear where, I'll leave it that way. I'm not going to take the hard stand on the where in it. This is one of the more clear passages of it. But there is another passage that says here, so that I'm just going to finish this part of the verse and then we're jumping over to another passage. So that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. It's talking about a receipt of reward based on behaviors here as we follow him. How are we doing it following our God well, right? And so here's a passage. You can just listen. Just write down the passage if you want. 1 Corinthians 3, 14 and 15. 1 Corinthians 3, 14 and 15. It talks about um, building up treasures and establishing ministry and life here. It says, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He's like, let's make this super clear. Jesus Christ is the foundation. That's the end of it. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, well, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. This is not fire that sends to hell. Everybody say it's not that. Okay. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. It's testing, is this some physical thing that needs to be burned up? Was this all about you? Or did you make it all about your Savior? It says, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. Praise God for that. He's like, hey man, there can be rewards for some of the work going on. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. Bummer for that, right? He will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved. Everybody say amen. Our salvation is not at risk, but our rewards are. And our response to God is sitting there before him. And how are we following after him? Are we fired up or not? And man, all of that will end up standing before him at the Bema seat of Christ. And uh, he says, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Please hear me. Rewards are burned up. Rewards are handed over. What kind of rewards are there? Okay, and I just want to answer this really quickly. Don't want to spend a ton of time here, but um, just know this. There are crowns that are spoken of in Scripture. We're not exactly sure what it means totally. I'll tell you this. The word crown used in each of these cases is more of a temporary crown, something that is won in a, um, kind of like in a games, not like a diadem, an eternal crown, but a temporary crown, if you will. And, and um, 
and yet has this uh, very strong eternal um, nature built by God, okay? And, and so here's the first crown, the imperishable crown. 1 Corinthians 9.25, the imperishable crown, 1 Corinthians 9.25. This literally goes to all those who are saved, all those trusting in Jesus Christ. There's some sort of crown that lasts for eternity that has much to do with the greatness of God, and it appears to the saved. Um, then there's the crown of righteousness, the crown of righteousness, that's 2 Timothy 4.8, and it says, this is for those who love his appearing. Now, some will say this is specifically for those who really get excited about the coming of Christ. They sort of have this extra measure of hope and passion about it. Others will say, no, man, if you're saved, you love his appearing. And so this is for all the saved. I'm not going to really take a stance on it. I'll just say this. It says, for those who love his appearing, right? And I'm going to leave it there, man. Love his appearing. And there's this crown of righteousness that comes with it. There's like, I was excited for Jesus Christ to rule over all, man. I could not wait for him to come. I could not wait for him to be in charge. I could not wait for Jesus Christ to rule over all. Man, that's what he's talking about. There's a crown of righteousness that comes in that. And then number three, a crown of life. James 1:12, A crown of life. And um, literally, this is those who remain steadfast under trial crown of life. And uh, there's an ability to uh, stand strong with your God, even under struggle. And, um, and then the crown of glory, 1 Peter 5, 4. This is for those that are shepherds in the church. So pastors and elders, and even down into small group leaders, people who are caring for other people underneath the authority structure and making much of God. And if they're not doing that in a domineering fashion, and they're not doing that in a forceful or self-absorbed fashion, if they're making it all about their God and caring for their people, man, I'm telling you, a crown of glory for them. And uh, that's a huge deal, that as you lead in the church, there are a lot of hits that get taken, but know this, God is aware and God is rewarding. And um, there are a couple other statements about crowns. There's one about rejoicing, and I'm not sure I understand exactly what to do with that one since the way it's phrased, I'll just say, some will say there's also a crown of rejoicing for those that share out uh, and uh, share of the gospel good news, and that's a potential there as well. Here's one thing we know, Revelation 4.10, we see the elders ending up throwing their crowns back at the feet of Christ. This is basically ending up giving us things that we can use to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This isn't about making much of you, okay? So here is not the plan with crowns. It is not this. Everybody say not. It is not this. Do you see how many crowns I have? Am I not awesome? Didn't we just totally upside down heaven if that's what it is? It's, no long, it's not about works, man. And it's not about showing self off. It's about showing him off. And in each case where there's reward, it is all about you with your God on fire. And as these rewards are given, you're like taking that back off and throwing it back at his feet like, you're awesome. You're, you've got it going on, God. You to be celebrated. This is all about you. May you get all the glory. Man, that is what it's about. This is just more for you to use to worship your God. And all of God's people said, okay, here's the deal, man. God isn't toying around. He's got purpose in this world. And he's working with us. And he's rewarding along the way. It's going to affect even your worship in heaven as you have things to give back to him. It's for real. 
Man, walk by faith, eternal in your focus, God getting all the glory, following him, on fire for him, him being your center. Man, it is all about Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, may he get all the glory. Simple question as we close. Do you have an eternal focus?